0: The theme of this first Sunday in our fall series is United in Worship. Will you pray with me? And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. We read in the scriptures that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But have you ever wondered why? A biblical scholar by the name of Elizabeth Achtermeyer offers an intriguing possibility. She suggests that God created the world because God is a great lover of music. But in the dark and formless void before creation, there was nothing to hear or to echo back the great music of God. And so the heavens and the earth were created and everything within them, so that the song of a music loving God might be heard and come echoing back to God in praise. When God cried out over the dark void, saying, Let there be light. Maybe those creating words and all those that followed took shape in the form of a song. It's not that hard to imagine if you consider creation's song that has continued to echo back ever since. Just think about the massed choir of creatures whose voices fill this world with beautiful music from the liquid warbling of a nightingale to the chirping of crickets and the trumpeting of elephants. One of the delightful new sounds for me since arriving here has been hearing the squeaking chatter of squirrels. And who knows whether I'll hear the deep guttural gruntings of an alligator or the howl of a coyote before I'm done or maybe it'll be the howl of a gator after the next Seminole game. <laughs> Certainly if last night's game against Alabama is anything to go by. Back in South Africa, we have a bird called the Hardy daw, which is part of the ibis family, a relative of the American white ibis found in these parts. The hardy daw's call is a strident honking noise, which can easily wake you up early on a summer's morning as they fly overhead in V formation, calling out to each other and unashamedly to the world that a new day has been born. We refer to them as flying vuvuzelas. If you don't know what a vuvuzela is, speak to me after the service. Right now, massive humpback whales are singing long and complex and beautiful songs under the ocean that can be heard for miles around. And even in the most distant reaches of the universe, stars are bursting into existence, releasing radio waves that, if we could hear, would fill our ears with every conceivable note and tone. When the scriptures speak of the morning stars singing together, maybe it's not just beautiful poetry. Maybe it's what God actually hears. My point? Everything with the breath of life seems wondrously shaped to be an instrument of praise. And so we live in a world where the praises of God are already being offered in, a, in rich and exuberant profusion, we live in a world of prodigal praise. As an aside, maybe the greatest tragedy of the ongoing destruction of ecosystems and the extinction of species is that with every extinction, one more voice in this world offering distinctive praise to God is silenced forever. Creation's praise reminds us of our life's deepest purpose, that we too have been created to praise. All around us, there are melodies of wonder, harmonies of gratitude, yes, descans of delight that are being offered up to our Creator, which means that reorienting our lives back to God is never further away than a single breath, if we allow that breath to join in the worship of God that constantly rises all around us. As Psalm 150 puts it, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Friends, that's the bold invitation that is being extended to each one of us on this first Sunday of our fall series, to commit ourselves afresh to being united in the worship of God, to make a firm decision that our unique and distinct voice, each one of us, will be added to the great chorus that rises to God in this place. So why does this matter, you may ask, our worship? Why does it matter to God, to the world, to this church, even to ourselves? As we think about that, I'd like to reflect this morning briefly on one of the instruments that is used every Sunday in the worship of God in this place, though not always in this particular service, I'm referring to this great big pipe organ here behind me. It's a remarkable instrument, not least because it can serve as a powerful parable for the church as the worshiping community of God. You see, the pipe organ consists of many different pipes, some of which can be seen, but many of which are actually hidden behind the scenes, out of the glare of public view, but essential nevertheless. Each pipe is quite unique, each offering its own distinctive note. There are some small, uh, short, skinny ones. There are tall, slender ones. There are big, round ones, not unlike this gathered congregation here today. (laughs) Though, of course, I would never dare to draw uh, any direct comparisons with actual persons here present. But now the amazing thing about this instrument is that it literally breathes. For these pipes to sound their note, there needs to be air that passes through them. Let me show you what I mean. As I turn this organ on, listen carefully and maybe you can hear it filling up with the great breath. Did you hear that? And for the pipes to sound, they need to allow that breath to flow through them, to be open for that breath. And so if I pull out some uh, of these stops, let's try another one. You recognizing that? Okay, let's try let's try something else. Let's let this baby sing. I need to tell you that it wasn't actually me playing, all right? (laughs) But if you want to hear real organists play this, then be at the recital this afternoon as Michael and David will make this amazing instrument sing. It's an opportunity not to be missed. But friends, like these many varied organ pipes that sound when they allow the breath to flow through them. So we are all here today. And when we open ourselves to the great breath of God's Spirit flowing through us, we become united in worship as our voices join a mighty chorus. And this, I tell you, is what will bring us vibrantly alive. In her magnificent book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, Annie Dillard describes an overwhelming experience she had of being drawn into the fiery beauty of creation, pouring out its praise to God. In reflecting on the experience, she writes these words, I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it until at that moment I was lifted and struck. To be lifted and struck that our very lives might reverberate with the ringing praises of God, I tell you there is no greater purpose for our lives than this. And yet, we know that so often our lives fall short of this ultimate purpose to be a song of praise that brings glory to God. We know that the trumpets of our souls often fall silent. The traumas of our lives and the tragedies of a broken world easily taunt our faith so that it feels impossible to sing. Maybe you can identify. Maybe some great loss or disappointment or betrayal has drained all hope from you that things will ever be different. Maybe the dull monotony of getting through the grind of yet another day has just worn you down and you're feeling so very, very tired. Maybe fear has you by the throat, choking you in its vice-like grip as you see war clouds gathering over the Middle East or the threat of the Ebola virus spreading unchecked or the crisis in the Ukraine forcing the global economy to its knees yet again. Maybe in these or other ways, you find yourself locked in a dungeon of darkness and despair, shut away from the world of prodigal praise. If that reflects your experience in any way, then remember the story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16. They were violently seized, falsely accused, and unjustly condemned. They were attacked, stripped, beaten, and flogged, and then they were thrown into the innermost cell of a prison, their legs fastened in irons. It was a dark and desperate place for them, except for one thing. They knew that their lives were ordained to be part of creation's great hymn of praise to God, And so in the middle of the night, they started to sing. We don't know exactly what happened, but it would seem that the very ground on which they were standing heard their songs of praise and answered back in thunderous reply, shaking the foundations of the prison, unfastening their chains, and bursting open the locked doors. Notice, that the unfastening of chains was not just for Paul and Silas's benefit, but for everyone in the prison. Even the jailer himself, a man who was deeply implicated in the oppression of that system, he too came to experience the saving grace of Christ that night, thanks to the commitment of two faithful disciples who were united in an act of, of defiant praise. Might that be a picture of what happens when we are united in the worship of God? When we dare to say whatever may be happening around us and to us right now, no matter how dark or desperate it may be, we choose to be united in worship as we pour out our lives as an offering of prodigal praise to God. And might that be a picture of the hope and liberation of this, our church, that we can surely offer to our world more and more. Hear the good news. There is no stronghold, no power, No prison that can ultimately stand against such a witness. On the 27th of May, 1992, during the bloody Bosnian War, a mortar shell exploded in the streets of Sarajevo, instantly killing 22 people. The gruesome incident was witnessed by a young man by the name of Vedran Smayilevich. He was a musician, a cellist, in the Sarajevo Philharmonic Orchestra. The next day, he dressed formally in evening tales as he would for a concert, took his cello down into the rubble and ruins of the street below, and at the same time that the shell had exploded the day before, he started to play. The piece he chose to play was Albinoni's Adagio in G minor. It's a hauntingly moving piece of music that has a remarkable story of its own. The, the particular arrangement that he played comes from a manuscript fragment found amidst the ruins of Dresden after the Second World War, music that miraculously survived the horror of the firebombing that obliterated so much of that city. For 22 days, one for each of the people killed, Vedran Smailovich played the same piece of music at the same time in the same spot even as bullets and mortar shells continued to rain down on Sarajevo. He played to honor the memory of those who had died. He played for human dignity and to highlight the senseless waste of war. He played to fill a monstrous time and place with a little beauty. He played to give expression to the seemingly futile hope that joy and laughter, singing and dancing, would once again be known in those desolate streets. He played because something within him compelled him to play, a dissonant solo against a backdrop of death, a defiant witness in celebration of life, an instrument of praise to the sovereign Lord and God of all. That is our calling. That is what it means to be human, for our lives to make music to God as we join in the prodigal praise of all of creation, united in the worship of our Creator. In closing... Let me remind you of the final verse of that great hymn we sang at the start of the service. Mortals join the mighty chorus which the morning stars began. Love divine is reigning o'er us, binding all within its span. Ever singing, march we onward, victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music leads us sunward in the triumph song of life. This is the bold invitation of the gospel to you and to me today. May our voices join that mighty chorus as we commit ourselves afresh to being united in worship to the glory of God. Amen.